Namaste, everyone, and welcome to the Jai Bhakti Yoga podcast, where we share information on all things yoga, Ayurveda, and well-being lifestyle. I am excited to share these resources, insights, interviews, and so much more as we grow together on this wonderful journey of well-being. I am your host, Christina Andrini, founder of Jai Bhakti Yoga Foundation and JBYU School of Yoga and Ayurveda. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to our blog on Tumblr, as well as to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all the fun social media channels where we share some of the tips and insights and resources from our podcast and vice versa on here. Now let's go ahead and begin with today's episode. A continuation, wrapping up our series this week with the um, surviving the story within. And in doing so, we are working today on paradigms and how they block the freedom to enter into enlightenment. And we are going to be joined by guest Maria Colleen to really dive in to more and explore this experience that some of us struggle with accepting. Okay. And Maria Colleen's background is with yoga and shamanism, um, health, and she's a mystical artist. She's provided gifts for practicing many different healing modalities, and she focuses on journeying back to the wholeness from the original spirit. And we open up this week with something she's contributed to this week's blog that will be posted later on this afternoon. And she speaks about, and this is to quote her, consider for a moment, so those of you that want to take a moment to just close your eyes here and listen to this comment that she wrote, consider for a moment if we are in fact healing atavistic ancient wounds. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely repeat that. So consider for a moment if we are in fact healing atavistic ancient wounds. And we take into account that trauma. And she kind of has a, a little a little quirk here that says any adaptation the body and DNA made to survive an overwhelming situation, um, and there's many, and it's true because there's many that we've adapted to. So this is stored in the genes to continue, which are essentially coiled little information packets, and epigenetics says we can upregulate and downregulate this information. So just sit with that for a moment while I invite my girl on. It literally felt like there was stuff that was uncoiling within my own my own DNA. Like I, that's the best way that I can that I can say it. And what I saw was a bunch of starving people, mm-hmm. and I was just like I didn't understand why. I mean, I did actually. I sort of understood. I sort of pieced it together. And I've only pieced a lot of my experiences together with my own my own research. You know, I still haven't. Like, I'm still piecing it together, but um, I saw a lot of starving people. And when I did a lot of research on that, I knew that both sides of my family had experienced um, starvation. That's actually why they left Ireland was because they were starving. <laughs> you know, there was the famine. And I think it was true with the, the Eastern European ancestry that I have as well. And so 
and I think about that, like, how does that show up? Like, how does that show up in, in our lives now? Um, and I think about that as like, if you always have this sort of anxiety over lack, right? Like there's a lack and you don't understand, like you have everything that you need, like you think, but there's still this, this like creeping sensation in you. That's like, Oh, I, I'm not enough. I have a lack. It can really truly be traced back to, you know, something that happened to your ancestors that they had to adapt. And then that changed the, the genes, you know, like Peter Levine talks about this and there's a couple other trauma therapists that are really working into like going into how our genes are changed and then they kind of coil, right? They coil up and sometimes our life experience will then like unveil that stuff because it's like, well, it's time to be healed now. So yeah, um, that was what I saw. And then it was interesting. I went through a two year period of having an eating disorder (laughs) Because of, because of um, stress and all sorts of, all, you know, sometimes I wouldn't eat because I'm like, I don't have the money to eat, which is so silly. You know, like, I think I didn't have the money to eat. Um, so I've been very blessed with people helping me in that regard. And um, and I just wondered, like, I, I, would, I would go back and think, like, well, maybe that's something that's in the genes because sometimes it's so beyond our rational ideas, right? They're just, it's beyond our, our rational understanding. So we really have to look back. Um, and understand like, okay, this was a shift that happened within my genealogy that allowed my ancestors to adapt to whatever situation that they were going through. Um, and now, you know, it's not needed anymore, but we still have to like do the, the healing process and the recovery process of that. So, yeah, I think this is really beautifully mentioned because when you say about the coiling, it's like the kundalini rising and rising into ourself again. And the symbolism behind starving people, like seeing starving people, but what are we starving for? The food is like our environment. It's what we're taking in. It's the nourishment. It's the support. It's the root chakra of the essence of our being, our intuition. And that nourishment is the lack thereof that we're starving for. And a lot of mental health is due to this isolation or feeling trapped or suffering in silence. And eating disorders emanate and permeate from this as well, this this sense of self-talk or self-awareness of not feeling good enough or not feeling full enough or not feeling whole enough. And how can I be whole enough one? And Vata personalities are so irregular. They'll eat a bunch one day and then the next day forget to eat altogether because they're just, I don't not hungry, right? So it's so, you know, eating disorders can be really serious, like bulimia and anorexia. And we also have eating disorders in the sense of just an imbalance of our doshic constitutions, which then in turn create a starving sense within the self, And that affects us wholly. It affects us in in one entire cord. And when we come into this awareness like you were talking about, about the kundalini rising, about the uncoiling, and like you said earlier, you know, you're still unveiling these different layers of yourself. You know, you're the expert of yourself. And that is what constitutes you to speak your truths and to speak about atavistic wounds that you've held within because of your walk with trauma. Mm. 
you know, no one's more of an expert than the person that's experiencing it from firsthand experience and being able to talk and teach from it. And that's where I admire you so much because you come from a space of such wholeness and such integrity and courage to get on here into a platform to share yourself and be able to speak about these wounds that we've had and that beginning to rise up into the kundalini that rises. This is, you know, you said here, it would make sense then that we are uncoiling ancient DNA programs that must be a witness and healed for our survival as a species. We know the witness as the known, the knower, and the object of knowing, especially coming from a space of Ayurveda and from Maharishi. But from our own personal experiences, knowing what it is, the knower of it, and witnessing of the object of the knowing. And so could you explain or illustrate for us what that's like for you on your journey, how you are the witness and the observer, like the observer of the witness of the known object of knowing it? Um, well, let's see. The first thing that comes to mind is two things. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday, I w- I'll just explain a little bit first. Um, yesterday, I was I was uh, very much alone. I've been alone a lot, and it's it gets to you after a while. You, know, you start to go a little batty, and I'm sure that people can understand that. Um, yeah. And what I what I what I I I found myself going down. You know, going down because all of these memories of certain traumatic events, and I've had a lot of like really like unsavory traumatic events that I haven't even told very many people about, you know, very many, like not very many people know those, those situations. And when we sort of, um, oh, the first thing I want to say before we talk about being observer is when we don't, when we don't express them or when we don't share them, we become in this, like, you know, like you said, like an isolated, like we become isolated into our own. It's like a feedback loop, yeah. right? Yes. Like, right. A feedback loop, feedback loop. And the two things that I heard recently in um, in a really good trauma talk was that like doing spiritual work is really important. It's it's really important, and it's and it gives context to an experience. But uh, expression first, like being able to say like Ooh. like become like in integrity with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so important. It's like yes happened and this happened and this happened and it's not playing so the 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 spiritual work that we do is sort of like is something that comes after the actual confronting of like these are this is the reality this is what has happened this is um these are the things that have happened and not from a victim mindset but just to acknowledge right and what i think the observer your question is the observer is the thing that's like okay I can step back and understand with with a greater sense of compassion why you are acting this way because all these other needs and all these other hungers and all these other things have not been you know they've not been um they've not been given air like I like I said like there there have been traumas in my life that and I don't I don't tend to say that like mine are worse or better than anybody else it's not what I'm trying to say, to say is that you know, um, there are things that I've never talked about. And I think that for me, the observer comes in as a way to say, like, 
like anybody in that situation would feel the way that you do and um and not just feel the way that you do but like can you have a better understanding of why you're reacting the way that you're reacting based on the fact that like you've suppressed everything, you know, or like whatever it is, because a lot of the times when it comes to trauma and and mental health stuff, we have so much shame around it, right? Like we have so much shame around it or I'm not better yet or whatever, whatever. And sometimes like for me, the only thing person that I can talk to is the higher self that's observing the situation, Right. And being like, okay, you know, like, like there, there is a way that we can make sense out of all of this. Um, and you having the courage to be able to speak about it. Um, and I'm able to speak about it now, maybe a year ago, I wasn't able to speak about it, but now I'm able to speak about it and say like, yeah, I've had some pretty intense things. And the thing that keeps me, I don't know, stable enough is that you know, first that the, the the creator hasn't given us more than we can handle and that there's tools that are available and there's people that are available and finding those things is, is important, but also becoming your own best friend, right? Yeah. Like becoming your own friend and saying like, my darling honey, like I've been observing you for a while and you know, you deserve more than this and I want to give you more than that. And then going into a space where we can allow that to be in, because when it comes to mental health and and trauma stuff, like trust is, is sometimes really broken. Right. And, um, with ourselves, that's actually something I wanted to add to what you were saying about how, like, we may be like the sense of abandonment. Cause when I think of, when I think Rexia, I think of self abandonment. I don't think of like, Oh, I have weight issue problems that's anybody that's ever that i've ever encountered that has eating disorders is not like what what we've learned in mental health things is like oh they have an an issue with the weight it's like no i think that it's actually a self-abandonment kind of thing and in that way that's sort of an atavistic thing because i think that that can go back really far like you know where did we have to cut corners and abandon our own our own souls in a way our own wills in order to get along, right? Like in order to just be present in the world that we're in. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question at all. I'm kind of all over the place today. (laughs) That's okay. But you're witnessing that what the point is, is that it's self-abandonment. Yeah. And being aware of this space, being aware that you're abandoning yourself, being aware of the outcome of abandonment. Being aware of what you're doing to nourish that abandonment. We seek outside ourselves most of the time, you know. And then when we seek within ourselves is when we become more aware of it. And it takes time. It's not every single day that we are, you know, when we come face-to-face with trauma, when we come face-to-face with things that happen and create a, a disorder or an imbalance or a shock to the system, you know, it... Like, it just happened, like, a few minutes ago. There was a loud crash in the background that I couldn't hear you. Loses our train of thought, right? And that same effect also happens on us daily, every day, right? We are on the flow. We're doing great. Everything is wonderful. Highly rainbows and unicorns. And then something shocks us or abruptly creates a wall or a trigger happens. And then everything just went downhill from there. It went down. And then it's hard to climb back up sometimes because it keeps you down because it shifts the entire physiology at this point, 
right? Everything just goes along with it, right? And then you're like, oh, now it's not going to be X, Y, Z, and this happened, and then this, and then this, and then the stories, then the stories start, right? Then the stories start, and we continue with the story, and then we believe the story. And then after it's all said and done, we're stuck with the story. But are we observing that the story is just that, or are we giving too much value to a story we created based on something that triggered us? And so where is the balance? How do we find that? And that's where the witness comes in, is being able, and Brett Larkin talks about this as um, the, the positions of empowerment, positions of empowerment. And she utilizes it in her coaching, but she also utilizes it as a way for us to self-reflect. And it's like a trifecta. So you're thinking of a triangle and you make three sheets of paper and you write one, you write the self. One, you write um, the thing, the object. And then the other one, you write other. And then in the middle of that is the spirit. You physically have to put these papers down on the floor in a triangle and then the spirit in the middle. You physically have to walk to each one when you're having the conversation. So when something comes up for you and say it's, I am getting triggered. You said the word I, so that means it's the self box. So you go to the self box. I feel this way. I X, Y, Z. I, this happened to me. All of the self referral is in the self box. Now the observer would be you. Right. It would be someone looking at you from the outside. So you walk over to the observer or you walk over to the object. Right. Or you walk over to the thing of which is causing you whatever. Right. Those are your options. If you're in the outside looking in the witness, you're going to speak about it as, well, Maria, this is what I see happen between you and object. This is what. I see, and you speak about it from the space of the observer. This is what happened, and this is what happened, right? Now you walk over to the object or the person or whatever, and you speak from that perspective to you and to the witness, to the observer. Then you sit with it in the middle with the spirit. What would the spirit say? What would the spirit guide you to do, right? And there you discover the compassion within yourself and this is a huge huge way to really break boundaries within the self really discover because you begin to take yourself out of the situation physically utilizing this this little project and you begin to see the emotional the physical and the spiritual which takes us to our next point from the witness is truth freedom and acceptance. Something that you illustrated in your commentary was that the pebble in the ocean is that information and it is emotional. We talk to therapists, we eat chocolate, we invoke the heart. That's Vata Pitta Kapha, right? Each one has their own trait. It is physical because we learn why our bodies are the way they are with doctors, with embodiment practices, etc. And it is spiritual because it allows us to go beyond the rational mind, shamanistic practices, and really any artistic creative endeavor, dancing, singing, laughing, dreaming, that gives us the permission to sense the ultimate truth, freedom, and acceptance. Mm. And with that is your emotional, physical, and spiritual balance. The emotional would be more of the truth. It's hard 
to digest and process truth. It's hard to accept truth sometimes. Very, especially Pitta. Pitta is hard. They love to give truth, but boy, you give them truth back, right? <laughs> Pitta personalities don't like that. Um, so it's real hard. And then physical is the freedom. It's the freedom, is the feeling of liberation. That physical sense of not feeling that you're in a cage anymore, right? And then spiritual is the acceptance, right? And these two can go interchangeable. Actually, all three can be interchangeable. But spiritual is the acceptance of all things as they are, the wholeness of everything. That there is no what was, what could have been. It just is. And that's the acceptance. How have you experienced, um, how have you experienced these three truth, acceptance, freedom in your life? And has it been through the art that you share with us? And how are you working through and with it now? Mm, good question. Um, yeah, I'm coming back to being an artist again. And, and actually, I'm coming back to uh, being an artist that I haven't been in a while, which is like performing, because um, I've always been too afraid to perform. Like I do visual art as well. But performing and expression and singing and dancing, those have always, you know, just these ways that sort of like the spirit comes and um and it's it it's able to how do i say this it's sort of like we have freedom in those ways because we're able to go outside of our story for that moment right and i wanted to bring up like where we are collectively because um in relation to the story because i think it's really fascinating that because of everything that's going on we are sort of inundated with this idea that like this is how things are and this is the you know this is the state of the world right now and um there's all of this insanity going on and and in some ways it makes us so ah, that we can't dream of another story but i think that that's what we're doing now like i, I really believe that, that that's what we're doing now and when you talk about truth mm -hmm. that's what i said earlier when it comes to like in order to find the freedom in order to feel the freedom you have to be truthful with yourself and that's actually something that you know in my family like we tend to sort of just put things under the rug you know it's mm -hmm. like I mm -hmm. there's a God bless her like we don't really talk about stuff that's uncomfortable you know we don't really work around that stuff so but i find that when you're able to really truly get into the nitty-gritty of your truth you know and and the thing that keeps coming up that i want to share is like i i was assaulted by the cops in my room once last year even pre-pandemic like it was it was a mental health call and um i don't need to tell the whole story because I think it's just really sad but like it, it was I was on the phone and they wanted to send a team pretty much to like come and help me because you know I, I really just felt haunted for a while and I don't know where that stuff came from I'm still discovering that I mean I think it was in my in my DNA but also like we talked about is that puncture our auric field like there's there's bad spirit you know and sometimes the lighter you are the more you attract that stuff right. just FYI for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the more truth you are, it's like, no, we want to keep the truth silent. So we're just going to, yeah. So um, I made a call to like a mental health, like a, a phone line. And they put me on a warm line with someone. 
And I talked for an hour. And by the end of the conversation, I was really exhausted. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody else. So I asked them to cancel the team. I ended up calling, canceling the team, please don't come. And they came anyway, which I felt like what was really not fair because I had asked. I was like, please don't come. Like, I'm really tired. I just want to go to sleep. And when I asked them to leave, half an hour later, the cops showed up. And, and I won't get into all the nitty, ditty, nitty, gritty detail of, like, what happened. But pretty much, like, I was handcuffed and taken out of my house um, after being, like, thrown to the floor you know and my whole body was like I mean the adrenaline and everything it just went like I, I snapped like that out of being depressed you know I wasn't depressed anymore I was really angry and you know I never really talked about it I never really talked about how on so many levels it was such a violation and when we come about the truth it's like who do I even go and talk to about this I didn't feel like my parents were even really being very supportive in that situation I had bruises on my body and stuff um and then when the George Floyd thing happened, I was like, well, no one's going to want to listen. This is my story. No one's going to want to listen to, you know, a white girl talk about how she was also violated by the cops, you know, and it was violent. It was not it was not a pretty, you know, a pretty situation. I would never wish that on anybody. But what it made me think about is how often when we, when we talk about truths, like when we talk about the things that we hide, because we talked about this last week too, especially when it comes to mental health stuff, like how many other people are hiding with these shameful stories, right? And when we're able to actually talk about it and we're actually, you know, like um, we're, we're able to like address it and just yeah. say like, I'm stepping into this without shame. That's where you find the freedom. Like you find freedom in that. And then the spirit is able to have space within you, right? It's able to like, Oh, I can breathe. And then, you know, you, you, you take the practices that you love, especially for me, artistic practices that, that keep that spirit sort of housed in a, in a space of, um, how do I, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's a space of, of, um, I guess of freedom. It's like, you know, like you, you're allowed here. There's space for you here. There's space for all of your truth. And only when there's space for all of your truth can we feel that freedom and that acceptance. Right. But as long as we're not actually addressing, like, what are the real truths that are going on when it comes to mental health stuff? And like, I know that there's probably tons of stories of people, you know, and we think about like, what does this mean? Well, in the future, let's not send cops to somebody's house, you know, or or let's have cops have better training when it comes to dealing with mental health issues. So we all need to be more educated when it comes to what really is mental health and how do we actually address things so that we can find that sense of freedom? Because if we're just holding on to it, it's, it's constrictive and it prohibits spirit to flow. And I think it prohibits us from accepting ourselves, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That, thank you so much for sharing your story. Cause that was, that's really powerful. And, uh, and that what an experience. I'm so sorry. And this also comes back to, um, paradigms you know, breaking through these belief systems, you know, our, and within ourselves, and then also within teams such as those responding, um, they giving them the tools that they need to be more aware of certain behaviors or behavior traits or patterns that are not necessarily something to uh, reprimand in such a violent way, but more of a way for them to address it in a more compassionate way 
and maybe this is an opportunity for our first responders to also learn that they are so stuck also in their own paradigm of everyone being a certain type of stereotype for the most part. And they tend to stay within that stereotype for the most part. And um, it becomes conditioned over time with them. And, and the same thing with even um, profiling cars, you know, who they're going to pull over, right? And we tend to forget that we need to break through those things. Enlightenment is taking the time to recognize the light within ourselves and finding that compassion to address others and not disrespect in any way. And it is disrespectful when you are in the middle of something and, and someone interrupts it in a way that it's like, well, you know this already. Why should I, you know, like, but we don't know this, you know, cause they're not aware, right? We think that they know, but they don't know. And so when we come into paradigms and we come into blindness because it's like they're looking through blinders on the side and they know there's more to it, but they're so focused on like what this is right now in front. And so when we come into the space of enlightening ourselves, it's coming into the space of becoming more aware. And that's really what it comes down to. It's we have a lot of lack of awareness based on where we're at right now because there's so much going on and because we're so clouded or foggy that everything is everywhere. Everything is floating everywhere. And how do we come back to that truth and that acceptance and that freedom? How do we come back to that if we're so stuck in what we think should be, but not being open to what could be right. And I want to say, I totally agree. And I I think that, um, what I've come to is that like you have to validate your own story. It doesn't matter how wild or crazy or like insane. Like you have to be like, okay, like I, I, I validate that this happened and I validate and I accept how I feel about it. And I accept the fact that it wasn't addressed is what created the stories and created the blinders and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, just to touch upon, like, the, the, the polyvagal theory, because I think it's really fascinating when it comes mm-hmm. to trauma and stuff. Um, because when we activate our, our vagus nerve, which is like, you know, the vagus nerve is one of the biggest nerves that come from the, the occipital bone, mm-hmm. the, the base of the skull. And it runs through all of our organs, right? And so there's two interesting things that I've learned. You can have the um, dorsal vagal shutdown, which means that, like, you literally freeze. You know, you're frozen and it, and it, and, and it's, it, it's actually like a biological thing. So we tend to believe that like all of this mental health stuff is just in our heads. And a lot of it is, I mean, a lot of the stories are, but we can actually, we can shift the stories. And once we understand some of the roots about it, like, like it's actually my body responding to things that have happened. And that's kind of that observer role that you were talking about is like, if we can just look at it like that, oh, my body's actually responding normally to an abnormal situation. Um, and then when we, there's the, the vagus nerve, which is the one in front and it runs through the gut and it runs like through the heart and the gut and all that stuff. And it's, and it's on a spiritual level, it's also connected to compassion because when we are able to, um, to, uh, um, <laughs> instigate the, 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 poly, the vagus nerve, it's, it's, it allows the body to like open and to be calm, you know, and, and to, um, to release all of that. Cause that's what happens.
happens we're like this right and we don't even know we're like that like i'm still i'm coiling that when it comes to like so and i think that that's really kind of cool because that's like this really beautiful connection between spirit body mind right it's not all separate like we think it is it's not separate and i think that like in my experience when it comes to like how we deal with mental health it's like we're not taking into account all all of those things right we have not just chemistry it's actually like a physiological response to things and then there's the spirit and then there's the emotions and they're actually all imprinted in in parts of our body and um and so yeah when you when you calm down the vagus nerve it allows for that enlightenment it allows for us to see beyond you know the the little the the, the little uh, blinders. blinders that we have which sometimes just come to protect us like sometimes that just comes because it was a, a way that we coped in the past you know and so not judging ourselves for that is like a really big first step you know, a lot of what you speak about with the vagus nerves and the dorsal vagal nerve also help to be expanded upon when we're practicing yoga. And it's it's a lot of the reason why we do yoga. It's a lot of the reason why we practice, we move physically the body, because the body is responding as well as reacting to what it's receiving. And it goes all the way back to what we began with, and it's that starving. It's starving it's nourished now it's receiving its nourishment it's getting fed and it's getting fed exactly what it needs and what it needs is going to be the reciprocation and then the response mechanism of what you feel in shavasana or in samadhi and that's from the front and the back merging together ida and pingala hatha and um, hatha, hatha yoga, right? It's the combination of the sun and the moon, the yin and the yang, the balance of the feminine and the masculine, all the shrotas, and the channels of that navigate everything within ourselves. And when we get to the very end of our practice, is when we have that freedom, that expansion, that release, and the truth. Right? Sometimes we come out with, oh my god, I didn't even think about that. What a great solution, right? It's just that freedom. It's just that it's everything's flowing very, very passively, very, very energetically. And it gives you that sense of, wow, I'm reconnecting to this self-awareness, the sense of self. And it's enlivening the intelligence within. And as we go into that, it's it's how we attain enlightenment, right? It's going into that space of the light within, enlightening others by that light and being able to encourage and teach, educate, implement, input, all of those things, infuse into each other as we grow on this journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last, but, but definitely not least, um, I just wanted you to um, let us know where we can find you and how we can connect with you on our future journeys together as we grow. Well, I'm, I'm always here on Instagram and I'm on Facebook as Maria Colleen as well. And um, I'm in the process of making a store, which I'm kind of, I'm excited about, but it's also been really hard to like kick my, my ass. I'll say that and really, truly like to kick my butt through my own, my own perceived blocks, you know, um, I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> it's not, it's, you know, so I'm, I'm working on making a store and I feel like I'm, I'm restarting. I, I literally feel like I'm starting from the ground up right now. So I don't have a huge, you know, like all these different presences online, but I do have Facebook and I do have Instagram and I'm always, always down to chat about spirit and health 
and and art and expression and um I'm learning to liberate myself again, you know, and and I have lots of ideas. So, I think 2022 for me is going to be ex- like it it's going to be like like screw it. I'm doing it anyway. I don't yeah. even, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'm just going to do it. And because you live and you learn and you realize that like you're living right now. So, you know, you can either believe the story that keeps you stuck or change it. Absolutely. And I'm process of changing it, <laughs> reinventing I think that's an ongoing journey for everyone is that we're always in the process of evolution, always in the process of change. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it's just, you're always a student, no matter how, you're, you know, even if you're a teacher, your teachers are the best students, students are the best teachers. So it just works that way. So, so happy to have you and, and thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey with us. So. Thank you all so much for participating in today's wonderful podcast. As always, it's such a joy and an honor to share in the space with all of you and hold the space together as a collective. I invite you to support my life's work on Teachable. For those of you that would like continuing education units, Teachable will be the go-to for your membership. I'm looking forward to growing together and meeting you all. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram and introduce yourself. I would love to follow you back and subscribe to our YouTube channel for free classes that are posted weekly. Looking forward to our next chat together and I'll see you online, in person, in an immersion or on this podcast. See you soon. From my heart to yours, much love and namaste.